The John of All Trades Podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. You have all made it to the dance. You have all made it, made it, made Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 154. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And whoa, Denver Film Fest is just turning up gold this year. Why? Who is my guest this week? It's KG, baby. It's Kyle Gass from the D. Tenacious D, Kyle Gass. Unbelievable. The fact that I got to sit down with him for an hour, someone that I love and have been watching now for 20 years. I tell that story. The first time I saw him was on Full Frontal Comedy. That was like this weird stand-up show on Showtime in like 1997. And the bit that he does, we describe it, it's really gross. But uh, at the time, I was like 15 or 16 years old. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And then being in college, when Tenacious D's first album hit, what better time in your life could there be for you to receive such a gift? I remember I went down to Durango with some friends, and we basically listened to that Tenacious D album the whole time we were down there. It was hilarious. It was so much fun. And Kyle is so cool. He's like one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And very giving, willing to talk about all this stuff. Seemingly amused by the anecdotes that I'm sharing about how Tenacious D has come into my life and my experiences with it. And what can I say? I'm just intensely grateful for the opportunity to sit down with someone whose work I admire and someone I've enjoyed now for a long time. I mean, what a thrill. What a great privilege. And I'm so happy to bring this episode to you. KG! I mean, come on! From Tenacious D! Give me a break! I am thrilled. I'm gushing. I'm going to stop talking here soon. Because uh, it's just going to get more and more gushy here. And we'll just, let's cut to the interview so that we can do that instead. Now, before we do that, I always like to point you to other podcasts. I've been a guest on this podcast. We're both part of the Denver Podcast Network. You can find all the Denver Podcast Network pods at denverpodcast.net. It's my friend J.D. Lopez. He does Left Hand Right Brain. It's a terrific show. You should check it out. And here's J.D. to tell you about it. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Check out Left Hand Right Brain. Download his shows. JD's doing great work, and he's just a terrific dude as well. Proud to be associated with him in the Denver Podcast Network. Would also like to give a shout to our sponsor, 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. And my suspicion is this episode's going to be very popular, and why shouldn't it be? So I'd like to highlight 4Degrees for you for just a moment, because they've been with me since episode 1, and they do outstanding work. If you are promoting a product... If you are in the social media space, if you're looking to do an advertising campaign, even if it's just Facebook-sponsored posts, 4Degrees can help you do that in an optimal way. 
They have the expertise. They have the tools. They have a great team in place. So whether it's a product, whether it's a candidate, whether it's any kind of awareness campaign, Four Degrees can help you do that in a great way at a very attractive cost. And you know what? They're just fun to work with as well. Zach has been a friend of mine for a long time. He's the head honcho over at Four Degrees, so hit them up. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Now, let's get to this week's episode because I cannot wait to bring it to you. Kyle Gass from the Kyle Gass Band, from Tenacious D, from the movie Nah. And just a quick note, I saw the movie Nah. I'm not a huge horror fan, but I really enjoyed this one. He is a ray of sunshine in this movie. It's... As I say in this episode, there's sort of like some unbearable tension at various points, and you're like relieved when Kyle Gass comes back on because he's like the light element in this movie, and he does a great job. Has tremendous chemistry with Penelope Mitchell, who's the lead. She's terrific in the movie, and uh, God, what a thrill. So, episode 154 is Kyle Gass, supporting actor in the movie Nah, member of Tenacious D, all-around cool guy, and his episode starts right now. Do you listen to, uh, what's our guy that was trying to, t- um, what was on in, in L.A., the big guy, um, he did Obama? Um, oh, Marin. Marin. Yeah. You listen that, to that's one of the big spiritual inspirations of my show. Uh, yeah. I, I love WTF. And I, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you listen to this back, I suspect you won't. But, because, um, you know, you're doing a high volume of stuff. Me. But uh, I copied the format of that. So I do my intro, then I briefly say stuff then there's short music cue and then it's just right into the interview yeah so so you really are yeah influence i i love uh marin but what's weird about marin's show is like every show is mostly about him yeah (laughs) and so i try to No, he's he's ridiculous i just i got his book because we were in his book and he yeah sent me a copy and like really so i wouldn't sue him i guess or something (laughs) and i'm like and he comes up like you know i've always talked to people and I was like, I've known him for a long time. Sure. And, you know, he's had his challenges with the chemicals and this, that, and the other. And it, to me, he like, he's good and he's great, but he found a soft landing. Ah, uh, he sure did. And he wasn't the greatest stand-up. And he was not <laughs> a good actor. And he found the perfect thing for him. Yeah. That's great. But it is. It's about him, mm-hmm. Mark. It's it, about you. And it's, that's fine. It, and it's like how that guest tells Mark something about himself that he didn't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> is that fair it's to say? Gra- of course, it's a classic kind of LA. I, I'm sure I fall prey. It's like, well, how does yeah, how does this affect me, Al Franken? So, <laughs> you know. So the very first time I ever saw you was, and let's see here, if if I could have you be a little bit yes. closer, that would be good. Oh, we're going. Yeah. Um, the first, and I, I just want to make sure I got the levels right. Yeah. This is all gold, though. We should have had this on. Uh, it, don't worry, it was. Uh, (laughs) but uh, the first time i ever saw you was uh when i was a kid i used to tape this show called uh full frontal comedy on showtime yeah you remember that yeah 97 yeah it was uh so first tv show i was like a teenager and i saw you and jack black doing tenacious d and Mm. they cut it up you know and there's weird there's like tits and the interstitials and stuff it's like it was a weird (laughs) show yeah but if you're 15 or 16 that's like the best show on earth and if you're a comedy nerd it's the first place I ever saw Patton Oswald. Oh yeah. Uh, first place I ever saw. Um, uh, let me think. Like Felicia Michaels, and like there were a bunch of comics on there that mm-hmm. I loved and that I fell in love with. You guys did a bit that brought the absolute house down, and it was. <laughs> 
you and you and Jack. We are, auditioned for a musical. Tommy uh, was it? Tommy? No, they didn't. They that's not the one I saw. Okay, the one I saw. You guys are like gay prostitutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The blowjob sketch. Yeah. The blowjob sketch. Yeah. And the the house <laughs> lost it. Brought the brought the house down because I think uh, I think Jack had like uh, what was it like lotion shaving cream. Yeah, shaving cream. cream. Yeah. And so you've got you got cum all over you and him. Yo. You realize it's each other. It was basically for those of you who haven't seen the bit, although it is available on um, uh, Masterworks or uh, Tenacious D Masterworks One. We shot it actually on film, but yeah, Jack uh, asked me uh, to borrow some money, and I was like, I don't have any money, dude. Yeah, I, said, ah, I will talk to you later. And then you see him soliciting on the street as a as a prostitute. I don't know if it's necessarily gay. I don't know if he's. I don't know if that was, or if he's just working hard yeah, for the money. He right? just works hard for the money, and he's trying to solicit. And then I pull up, but I have sunglasses. We both have sunglasses, yeah. so we can't recognize each other. And then basically. <laughs> Yeah, it goes from there. Well, you can check it out. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it was funny. It was, and it was as insane. as a fifteen or sixteen year old yeah. kid, it was about the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. You know, when I was fifteen, I'm very very old, but um, SNL mm-hmm. Saturday Live started at seventy five. Yeah, and yeah, same. I was fifteen. I was born in sixty, and so it really came along at that time. And I was kind of, you know, trying to figure it out. I was kind of funny and doing the <laughs> acting, and then. That show dropped, and yeah. it, was, it was, it was everything changed. It was just like, whoa, this is really, yeah. People are doing this is the cool where the cool kids are doing. I've thing. got like a new avenue, like that that potentially there's like there's a different path to doing what I want to do that wasn't presented before that existed. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. And so, full frontal comedy. As someone who loved comedy, my dad brought me up watching like old Marx Brothers and W. C. Fields. Like W. C. Fields was my favorite comedian as a kid that's so cool yeah people don't know no i realize what uh what giant he was yeah and he he was amazing so full frontal comedy comes on and it's this just compendium it's sketch after sketch after sketch uh or stand-up after stand-up after stand-up you know otto and george and bobby slayton and all these guys that i'd never seen or never heard of and so i started watching it and i taped it i had you know remember the old like extra long play cassette sure i had six hours <laughs> of full frontal comedy wow saved and so once tenacious d hit and started becoming more in the consciousness you know you guys were on after mr show mm-hmm. and uh then when the first album dropped in 2001 i was in college at that point and i was really the ideal audience for that and yeah we were all over it <laughs> um so i go I'm going to blow your guys' mind. Wait till you see this. And so I pulled out my VHS of full frontal comedy, and they go, holy shit, look at that. <laughs> Dude, you actually did the work for us. Really? You did the work. Well, because in those days, that's how it was spread. I mean, all the HBO shows were all video cassette. And, yeah. And uh, I remember, yeah, they people shared them, and, and we would play shows pre you know social media internet and all that and they would be sold out because we did a show right. on late night hbo yeah but it couldn't have been that because that that's about 10 people and so yeah it was a video it was video cassette sharing yeah like weirdos like us would yeah. just like tape the stuff and then show it to our friends and be like you gotta see this you gotta see this we all used to uh sing fucking rocket sauce to each other <laughs> Strong jam. That's yeah. a strong tune. That's, yeah, that's a strong song. <laughs> so in case it wasn't obvious before, this is Kyle Gass. Whoa. Um, we're on now. Oh, we're, we're going now. We're going. I'm and, glad you got the early gold. 
<laughs> the man knows what he's doing. I, well, what can I say? I'm he's a fan. A, that's right. Yeah. And so, uh, best known from Tenacious D, but you are a supporting actor in a film called Nah mm. that is here at the Denver Film Fest. Yeah. Denver Film Fest 40. I know. Congratulations, Denver Film Fest 40. Yeah, and this is my third year doing it, which is really exciting. So it's a real pleasure to get to meet you because I've been a fan for a long time. And I got to say, you were great in the movie Nah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a really fun surprise. I like the script. and uh, and then, But you never know how it's going to turn out. No. And, uh, my number one goal is to not embarrass myself <laughs> on the screen. And then after that, it's just all gravy from there. Well, from, uh, in terms of, like, there's a quote from Roger Ebert where he says, it takes a lot of very dedicated and super talented people to make a really shitty movie. <sighs> so true. And, and he proved that with, <laughs> with uh, what did he do? Uh, Return to the Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, with, uh, his... Roger Corman, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that that's his, uh, yeah. I love when that the, that's when like his foray. Yeah. But, uh, and in this case, everything turned out really well. And what's funny, my other connection to this movie is I interviewed, a, uh, I think it was last year, Midian Crosby, who did the makeup on Naw. And so she told me about it like last year. She said, I'm working on this movie, Naw. And I go, okay. And so when movies are in development, unless you're really, really into it, it's hard to sort of know and gauge. And then this come up and I go, wait, why have I heard of this before? Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, I talked to Midian about it. Mm-hmm. And so, how did you come to get involved with it? Uh, I got a letter from Halar, the director. Is it Halar or Halar? I always say Halar. I want to call him Halar the Magnificent. Doesn't <laughs> it sound like that? But uh, he wrote me a very nice letter and uh, said he enjoyed my work. Or He did the right thing. He flattered the actor. And that's always, a, <laughs> for those directors out there, flatter the insecure actor. And uh, yeah, sent me the script and uh, it was pretty traditional, but the letter I say was the extra touch and uh, that uh, it seemed to be like the role was uh, maybe written for me, sort of. You think? Or a type. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, th- yeah. I think in terms of, because I watched the movie and you are like the ray of sunshine in it because it's fairly dark, but yeah. you, I mean, you're they the- teed me up. Yeah? I, I mean, if you think about it, yeah. If there's nothing else, you're going to sort of stand in the relative universe. <laughs> it's like, well, oh, that guy's, he's bringing in some, some funny. Yeah. And I mean, I watched it and I go, okay, thank God. Like Kyle's got a scene coming up because <laughs> a, lot, a lot of it has like this sort of, like some of it is almost like unbearable tension, which, uh, which is good. I mean, it's a horror movie, but you a horror fan? No. No? Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to lie? No, I don't. I'm not a horror fan. Although, since I've done this, I have become, and, and it's, I, I'm liking it more and more. It's fun to do. It's fun to work on stuff that isn't, uh, yeah, it's about a different thing. It's about a, like a exterior force or something. Yeah. And did you guys film it here? Yeah. Filmed it all here. How long did that take? Uh, I think they shot two or three weeks, and I was on for a week. Okay. I think there was a whole week of just uh, Penelope, the lead actress, yeah. just in a room with no <laughs> right. creature there. It's like, oh, that's got that's got to be a weird sort of uh, yeah. acting technique that you that you have to master, and something that I, I mean, especially with like a lot of CGI going on today, that yeah. that seems like kind of a unique and interesting challenge. <clears throat> but uh, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like CGI. I, I know that they have to do it, and it's getting better, and this that, but it always reads to me. It doesn't. It's just not good enough, right? I'd, I'd rather may have them make the effort on a real monster or something like that. Yeah, and uh, some practical effects. Yeah, I like the practical. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I do too. So when you were here, you were here for a week. What part mm-hmm. of town were you staying in? Because I'm a Denver native. I'm always curious about this. Foggiest idea, having the slightest. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's just I mean, I'm not from here. Right. They would, you know, I was staying somewhere, and then they would transport me <laughs> there. And but it was an old, uh, it was abandoned apartment building, and mm-hmm. then they had a this sort of studio that they work at, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of sets and stuff. But I don't know what part of town it was. Do, when, you, do you know what part of it? No, <laughs> we don't know anything. That's fine. Um, when you're out and about, and this is something I'm curious about because I grew up a big professional wrestling fan. And in Mick Foley's book, so Mick Foley was mankind. He's really done well for himself post-wrestling career. Yeah. In his book, he talks about his type of fame manifests in a lot of drunk guys coming up to him and telling mm-hmm. him, you're mm-hmm. hardcore. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not a ton of women throwing at himself. Throwing no. them yeah, at one him. always hopes at the beginning. <laughs> You hear the tales. Wait, rock and roll. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Right. And so I'm curious because of Tenacious D, and that's Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. you're you're most well-known for. Do you get recognized a lot for that? Like when you're out and about? I wouldn't say a lot, but pretty consistent. Like I'd say a really strong uh, 4 to 7% of the populace probably. Nice. But I'm totally making that up. (laughs) (laughs) But it's actually been a while, and I have a beard, and I'm older, and right. we've been, you know, not not hot. But uh, I will say that if you do like us, it's a pretty intense. Yeah, it's a very, uh, a very enthusiastic lot. So we make up for enthusiasm that we have in numbers. Do people come up to you? Like, is it ever obnoxious? Do people come up to you and just start like shouting lyrics from "fucker gently"? Or it happens, not really in. Uh, more likely in kind of a strange market or something, maybe where the people, I think people are more sophisticated nowadays, okay. but you still get that. I mean, people drink and they want to, I, I will say though, it's uh, for some reason from their perspective, I know that they're celebrating the lyrics, but it isn't something that I would ever need to hear. It's right. Like why would they like, need to repeat that back to you? It's or like why, you, like you don't know me pleasure from it, which I do. It's, it's gratifying that they, you know, recognize it and they like your work and stuff, but yeah, that's always been a little bit of a strange one when they come out with the lyrics. Yeah. Like, Sometimes the drunk guys get you in a little bit of love headlock. Kind of like, ah! And you're sort of not allowed to leave because you, they have you. And they want your friend. Look what I got! And like, right. uh-huh. Or like someone will hand you a phone and be like, hey, can can you yeah. can you talk to my friend? It's like, why? I actually like those. I don't know why. Do you really? It's a little... They don't happen a lot. Actually, I've actually even... I said, let's call. If they have like... My aunt or my uncle is the biggest fan ever. I said, let's just call him. And I don't know, it was one of those kind of, yeah, that's sort of a guilty pleasure, but it's sort of fun to blow some minds that way. Yeah. If you're in the mood, it's the greatest thing. And if you're not in the mood, it's, it can be annoying. Do you ever have people, uh, like, who take it too far? Like, what, like, what is the ideal way of approaching you? Well, if, you, if you want are, guidelines? No, well, no, because I'm lucky enough to do this here. Oh, but. <laughs> there you go. Start, you have a podcast. Yeah. Be very successful, and then you get to yeah do do um, a podcast for three and a half years, and then <laughs> maybe you'll get invited to talk to someone whose work you really adore. Yeah, <laughs> there's a there's actually almost everyone I have, I would say is pretty respectful. Really, it's and it's there's a sameness to it mm-hmm. that they they don't realize, but I realize because I'm on the receiving end, <laughs> and for them it might be a unique experience, and I get a lot of I would never do this normally. I don't, I, you right. know, and it's like, oh, well, that means you think that I appreciate that. That's just saying that you're, I'm, you know, something you want to see. 
but normally people are pretty, you know, respectful. And sure. It's, it's fine. And uh, the selfie craze, though. Oh, I yeah. I kind of secretly admire the celebs who don't take the selfies. We're not, that's not our brand, though. Right. Our brand is like, we're your bro. You're of the people, right? You're of the people. And it doesn't, and I just, every selfie is a good selfie. And let's do this and let's get it on. And you're, uh, yeah, you appreciate the work. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you that selfie you've always wanted. But it is (laughs) a strange phenomenon. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many selfies I've taken. It's really strange. And I thought, I haven't seen many. You lose track after the first thousand or so. Dude, I, and I'm not even, listen, I'm not saying I'm not popular, but it's just right. more bespeaks how many people want this effing selfies. Uh, Kyle Gasband, uh, my side man, we yeah. do pretty well in Europe. And and uh, like I said, the, the different markets, maybe they don't have, you know, American uh, coming through there, but man, they will line up and they want it all. They want it. Wow. They want a selfie. They want to talk to you <laughs> in their broken English and, and they want it. They want to have, they want some love. They yeah. Want some love. That's, uh, that's cool. So, uh, getting back to the film, yes, and no. we kind of, we kind of go all over the place here, but, um, right. you, uh, you won the film it's called editing, award. John, it's I, called editing. You I don't, don't edit. I, oh I don't God. know what editing is. So real. <laughs> so raw. Yeah. Well, trying to be like Marin, right? There you go, man. So, let's spend some more time talking about me. Cause let's I got, <laughs> John, what, and your journey, where do you think you're at? Yeah. Let me tell you about what I think about Lauren Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're saying that. It's I have I I would thought that, and I haven't really put that together. But you're so right. What are you going to tell me about myself? <laughs> I want to learn about today. Uh, under the guise of like, I'm so into people. I've always talked to people. Yeah, I love talking to people yeah. <laughs> about me. Yeah. <laughs> and which is fun, Mark. Up. You're not listening to this, so we no, don't. No. Yeah, not that Mark's ever going to hear this, no. but like. He's someone I deeply admire because, like, that's sort of a template that I've followed. Yeah. But, like, busting his nuts, you can't help but do that. Yeah. It's almost like he invites that. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I saw him do stand-up. And, God, we're talking about Marin again. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I saw him do stand-up, and he was doing a bit. He's very intense. We're in the front row. We're at Comedy Works downtown. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, very small room. Very, like, you're right up on the stage. And so Marin's doing this bit. He's got the mic like right in his hands and he's staring right into the audience, right into my wife's face. And she goes, I thought he was going to eat my soul. <laughs> She's like, that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty intense. <laughs> but, uh, you got, uh, Film Quest winner for best supporting actor I did. for this. And that was, wow. Yeah. That was exciting. Yeah. That I mean, had an actual cool. prize that you can take home with you. <laughs> and I, there was actually a weapon as well. It was, oh, really? It was this really cool metal sculpture of this uh, creature. And, uh, you could defend yourself well with it. So Kyle Gass with the Film Quest Award mm-hmm. in the conservatory. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've won clue. <laughs> <laughs> we know who did it. We yeah. Know who did it. At this point. <laughs> um, but. I think part of that comes from you seem to have a really easy rapport and it was really fun to watch you with Penelope Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And how did you guys develop that? Like, how, I'm always curious how that manifests. I'll tell you exactly how it happens, John. Is that, uh, when you know that your job as an actor is to have a rapport. Yeah. Then by gum, you start having a rapport. I mean, off camera. Now. Yeah. She's a great girl and super sure. sweet and super nice, super smart. Seems super, very talented. Very talented. She's Australian, which is kind of cool. And sure. And uh, this is a very nice person. So very easy. But even if that wasn't the case, you know, you have to sort of have a rapport. You got to find it. Right? And you got to. And so even, you know, if it wasn't going great, you try 
Sure. And then if it's still not, then you got to fake it. <laughs> and that's called acting. <laughs> and you know what? What if this is like, wow, I'm really, I want to help you. And, and that's the job. Yeah. But we both knew that I think it would be better if we sort of buddied up. But I, it wasn't much of an effort. Like I said, she was very nice. And she uh, very much into music. And she actually had her uh, musician boyfriend there. Mm-hmm. A very nice guy. So there was, uh, it was a very, it was a good, uh, it was a good hang. It wasn't hard to get it up for that. Did she know your stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Was she yeah. a fan? Ye- yeah. I think she, yeah, I, not a huge. Was she trying thing. to mute it a little bit, do you think? Um, uh, I think she was just a female. <laughs> I think that she liked it, but I think her boyfriend liked it more. Okay. And so she was aware. I think she liked it. But yeah, I don't think that's an interesting question because I'm not sure she was overly like fanned out. Okay. So she's like, she was aware of it and she goes, yeah, this is good, but I'm not like, (coughs) no, I'm not psycho fan. Okay. Psycho fan 2000. She's very, yeah, she's pretty serious, uh, worker. Okay. So, uh, counterpoint to that, uh, there was this chick in my graduate school program who came over to my house for a party. This Mm -hmm. is like fall of 2004 and my roommate had a tenacious D cum rag. On his wall. Mm. <laughs> I don't know Probably if Probably one of the greatest pieces of merch. Uh, outrageous. There's yeah. like unicorns and rainbows and stuff That's on it. It's a wonder. Yeah, you're celebrating that experience. <laughs> that was actually Jack's ex, uh, Laura Keitlinger. Yeah. Know? That was her idea. She was on SNL. Got a, yeah, she was a writer and, uh, she was a performer. And that was her idea? It was her idea. Yeah, they were <laughs> living together at the time and she's, I mean, she's very funny and comedy writer and, and the like. And, and we're like, whoa, that that is really funny. Yeah, the rainbow and the unicorns on there. Yeah, and it's billed as a cum rag. Yeah. <laughs> and so, oh, and everything else is just a cum rag. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, everything else is just a cum rag. That's right. <laughs> I forgot that's what it said on it. You know, I sometimes think about we're pretty, you know, we're kind of out there. We kind of push it, and I'm just wondering, like today's kind of environment. I wonder if that would play today. That sort of humor. That's a fair question. And I really, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't think. It always seems like we're comic smiles behind it, and it's yeah. just, you know, we're just dudes. Yeah, yeah, we're just being goofy. Like, yeah, but you know, we do that like now, like effort gently and and uh, double team and all those sorts of songs. <laughs> like I still think even rocket just, sauce. Yeah, uh, I don't know. But anyway, so she finds this on his wall, and she says, "I have to have this." Mm. She was going to steal it. Wow, just because she thought it was so cool and so funny and so out there. Yeah. Well. Fast forward ahead. So she tells me that. She's like, I'm stealing this from your roommate. I go, uh, you're going to fight him for it. <laughs> yeah, you're in uh, trouble. And it's on his wall. It's like stapled on the wall. So I don't know that it got any actual intended use. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'll leave that to him when he listens to this. That'll be amazing. <laughs> but uh, fast forward, I go, I have to know this girl. And uh, five years later, we were married. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so we're still married today. But oh it was that God. moment. I'm like... This chick is kind of off kilter. Like she's wow. she's coming at it a little different, and we have two children together. On that same, that is so crazy. Uh, Mark Flanagan, who owns Largo uh, Club in Los Angeles, and kind of where we did we got our early start. We did our shows there and yeah. kind of established our thing there. And he loved us and gave us a great chance. But he said he'd always tell us when he was dating, he would. He would take his date and to watch us. <laughs> and that was, that was the barometer. If That's he, like the litmus test. That was the litmus. Thank you for the litmus test. Yes. And that was it. I was like, wow. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> but it, it's so, so true. The sense of humor really for, 
for partnerships and things. Well, I mean, to that same degree, I was I was on this bus trip, and I'm sorry, this is a string of anecdotes about no. parts that you've played We're in my life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm turning into Marin more by the day. But uh, we're on this bus trip. We went and watched CSU because I went to Colorado State, uh, get its ass kicked by Boston College in this mm. fucking nothing bowl. And uh, we're coming back. Flutie? Uh, no. <laughs> A little bit before my time. I think Flutie was playing for the Bills at the time, though. But uh, anyway, um, there's a big snowstorm on I-80, so we have to go down through Los Angeles, up through Las Vegas, and we're all like we're college kids. We're losing our fucking mind. And... Uh, in the back, they start singing. So they're singing like Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks and then like Shout and, you know, just stuff everyone knows. Someone starts singing Fucker Gently. The entire bus, men and women, start singing it. The chaperone was not thrilled about that. But uh, it was a real morale booster just because that song was so fucking funny. And men and women just got into that song and, you know, everyone's like going really high on the Zanzibar. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, which is almost pink dot, by the way. That was right down to the final. It was going to be pink dot. What do you mean? Pink dot, uh, instead of Zanzibar. Oh, really? I order it from pink dot because that was the weird food delivery at the time. Yeah. And it was kind of new. It was all about pink dot and their stupid cars and thought, yeah, that's funny. You know, I'd order it from pink dot. And then at the last minute, I thought, no, that's going to be too, it's going to be too in the moment. And yeah. then the Zanzibar was chosen. Well, and I mean, it, the, the delivery on it is, is really, really <laughs> funny. So, uh, I mean, that helps. But I'm curious in terms of balancing projects and the, this podcast is focused a lot on the work and the process. You said you were filming Nah for just a week, mm-hmm. right? And so I was always curious about actors how projects come to be and like what normally I ask how a typical day unfolds for you. Mm -hmm. But in terms of working on a project basis like this, how does a typical week, how does a typical month? I mean, I read somewhere that you guys are working on new tenacious D material. I don't know. I think that in all those instances and the movie is a perfect example, the time it takes to make doesn't really uh, indicate like, it seems like you're working more than you are. I mean, I worked a week on that, that, Mm -hmm. But it's a movie and you see it and it, and it's a place festivals and it has a life of its own. Right. But the reality is, yeah, I spent a week doing this thing. That (laughs) was my contribution. And and even with like work, yeah, I'm working with Jack, but he's out of town for two months and he'll get back and in January and then we'll work. So I think a lot of times it's almost like you have to have a lot of projects to fill in. They're really, it's not like a day job. You really have to sort of self generate a lot of the stuff. Well, it's interesting. I got out of my corporate gig two and a half years ago. What was it? Uh, I was public relations representative for an energy company. Whoa. And so, yeah, I, I was the reason. You were kind of the PR in the corporate thing. Uh huh. I was in-house PR. People, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and that is whether you're busy or not. And when you work for a company of that size, I mean, we're talking 2000 worldwide employees. I have a lot of responsibility, but you're busy all the time, but you accomplish very little, <laughs> which yeah. is the thing. You're, Shuffle the paper. Yeah, you're in meetings a lot and, you know, status updates and you're like you're getting yeah. so it, I've heard it akin to steering a cruise liner. Mm-hmm. Now I'm on my own. And so I do PR media consulting. I have this show and you're right. I mean, every day is a little bit different. I'm working sometimes very intensely on one project. And then very intensely on another. So it's almost like you're a permanent sort of freelancer yeah. in a lot of ways. Is that fair to it's say? Totally. Yeah. You're self-employed and, uh, and you're, yeah, you're looking for projects and, and, uh, 
a lot of these you have to self generate. You yeah. can't really depend on. Acting is um you do depend though. Unless you're writing sure. an, unless you're not tour. You're basically trying to get on someone else's train <laughs> and make their train really good, which is fine. Which is sure. great. But the music thing definitely is, uh, you know, no one's going to write the songs for you. I, usually, I suppose you could hire songwriters and people do, but it yeah. just seems wrong. And ultimately you have to come up with them and, and perform them. And, uh, yeah. So no one's gonna, no one can really do it. Well, with a lot of projects, I mean, in terms of acting, writing, performing, sometimes you're on tour. Is that nice? Like, do you ever get burned out doing one thing or another? And then is it nice to sort yes. of pivot? No, it is. Yeah, variety truly is the spice of life. Yeah, it really is. Because the touring is a classic. So fun. So ready to be done. When you're <laughs> done, it's just, uh, just not want to be moving and packing my suitcase and, right. and taking more selfies. No, I love the selfies. But, uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, touring has got... To, uh, touring is like a lot of hurry up and wait. It's a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of Groundhog Day. But as they say, at the end of every day is a special treat and you get to do the show and, yeah. and that's really the most fun. It's just, uh, and the sort of leading up to the show and, and then doing the show and then, you know, saying hi. There's a real great energy after the show. People are very excited and it's fun to check in with that. Well, for aspiring comedians or aspiring musicians or anyone who wishes to be in the Give performance up. space. <laughs> that's my advice. Give up. <laughs> There's just, no use. Just start. And I don't need to compete with you anyway. No. <laughs> just start selling insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you do. Just get out of my space. <laughs> so that uh, that perfect philosophy of I'm in here and I've slammed the door behind me. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. <laughs> it's so funny talking to people. Doing the thing that you love to do is like 10% of any job. And the other 90% is I, I make it akin to ditch digging. You know, like I'd say it's way more than ten percent. What are you talking about, John? <laughs> what do you talk ten percent? What what percentage is it? Of of being able to act or play music for a living? Yeah, well is about I mean ninety nine percent of the awesome part of it. I no, mean, no, no. What I'm saying is well, in the, terms of a day to day. Oh the day to day. So no, like the job the job description, like oh what is it? Right, what, like people think oh, oh yeah, you get to be on stage. Yeah, okay, oh, but right. you're there for like an hour or an hour and a half. The rest of it is packing your suitcase or being on the road or going through airport security or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of ditch digging that gets to the right. thing that you want but to do the, most. But the difference is it isn't ditch digging. And there's people that have to go, say, work at Panera Bread right. all day. They have to manage a Panera Bread all day. Right. They have to get there at 6 in the morning and employees don't show up. It's Bagel Tuesday <laughs> and they got to watch. You know, that's real work. Well, sure. Waiting through TSA for your gig or checking into a hotel, I'm sorry, is not comparable. I, I to an actual, I mean, for instance, you're talking about, did, there's people that actually have manual labor jobs. No, you're right. But I think there are people who view it that way. To, to get to the thing that you want to do, there's a lot of stuff that is unglamorous. Oh, well, certainly. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, no, you're totally right. And, uh, I think people do think it is kind of a magic trick or something, and they don't right. realize what right. actually goes into it. But I would assume the smart people would know that you have to, whatever it is, you got to train to be an actor, you got to train to be a musician, yeah. and then, and that's just the beginning. And then you have to get lucky and get <laughs> some breaks, I think. I mean, nobody knows how it works, but I don't consider myself like, uh, very, I mean, I consider myself very lucky. Uh, Certainly. You know, I have some talent, but, uh, things could have gone any which way. <laughs> What would you consider the thing that gave you the break then? Jack Black? Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I say that, but you know, he wasn't famous at the time and we were just dudes doing it. But I mean, I remember you guys in the cable guy and like biodome and yeah, but, uh, that partnership, Jack, in all honesty, was way more ambitious, I think. Oh, uh, interesting. Way, um, yeah, he, uh, he had his eyes on the prize more than I, I, I didn't really get it. I mean, I felt like I was kind of an artist. I liked to play guitar and had some sort of amorphous thing, but, but, um, you know, I didn't really, it didn't really hit to like my late thirties. So it wasn't like I was burning it up. I mean, it was right. theater and some commercials and this, that, but, <clears throat> you know, I was starving and then that was kind of the, the 10 year overnight success. Right. Yeah. But that's the classic thing. We really met in like 89. We didn't even really start playing music till like 91. Okay. Then we didn't have our first real gig until 94. Wow. And then we didn't have the HBO till 97. Mm-hmm. And then we did another couple HBO shows in 99. And then we didn't release. <clears throat> now all this time, we're like the hottest thing in town. Now that's like, like for four years, we're, we have record companies up our ass. <laughs> really? I mean, it was back in kind of the record company when they still ruled the roost. We were like burning up the clubs. We're on TV. We're like touring the states, like selling out and like, we don't have a record out. <laughs> we don't have a record. Now this, I mean, it's hard to go because everything seems like it worked out. But at the time, yeah. I'm going insane. Yeah, it's you're like, panicked, Jack, right? Jack, we have got to make an album. This is absurd. We have people singing our songs to us in concert without a record. This doesn't happen. We have, and so then you start on this process and it's like A&R guys and this and having to find a producer and this. And then you have to make the record and that takes, I mean, these things took forever. And the, the album, you know, 2001, mm-hmm. which seems, of course is a long time ago now, but at the time it took years to get that thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was going crazy. In fact, uh, we almost went like indie label, Drag Street, I think was the record. And you got a great deal. You like, you'd split the profits with them. It's like, well, that sounds pretty good. We're going to sell yeah. up. But I was against it. And I said, I know that the big labels rip you off. And I also know that they make you famous. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I'm going to go, we're going to go into this. We're going to get ripped off. But Sony, Epic Records at the time, they'll distribute the record all over the world. Yeah. And by gum, I was right. Cause you know what? Everyone around the world, they, back then they had like Sony representative in New Zealand and right. a Sony representative in Belgium, you know, and you'd meet them and they'd be there. And it's this whole international thing and they're taking all your money, but yeah. they're making you. So you were on Sony? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, which was epic in Columbia, a band I love that was on Sony that, wasn't as well known in the States, but was huge internationally. I think because of that footprint was a band called Zebrahead. Oh. And I loved them, but they were on Sony. And so almost all the other bands that I loved were on like fat records. So like yeah. I loved punk rock, you know, uh, yeah. Epitaph records, sure. Side One Dummy, all that. Yeah. And, uh, but Zebrahead, they would play like club gigs here and then they'd sell out like arenas in Tokyo. Yeah. And I go, how does this work? Like, I don't understand this, but I mean, I think it's that big label thing that you were just talking about. Yeah. And that's kind of amazing to me. Just to, I don't know, understand this from, through a philosophical lens. It's almost like you were advocating for not stepping over a dollar to pick up a dime. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I haven't even heard that expression, but. Yeah, it's totally true. Hmm. I think sacrifice that sort of, yeah. And I think we, we, uh, we accidentally made a lot of right moves. I don't think we're like super <laughs> geniuses, but like the fact that you're not like Jack- Kaiser Sosa. 
we Jack would make you know movies and make his own brand really good, which was good for the Tenacious D, and also yeah. didn't burn you out on. You know, I mm. called it the uh, Ricky. Um, what's the uh, uh, singer Ricky Martin? Ricky Martin, where he's like, remember Ricky? Martin? He blew up the hugest <laughs> thing, and then you saw him on television every second. I'm like, well, you guys, this, yeah. people, you can't do that in show business. People don't quite understand. You have to go away. <laughs> you can't stay. I mean, you, people get tired of you. I think Aziz Ansari is doing that right now. Yeah. Which, and, uh, yeah, or like an Amy Schumer. Right. When you have your own, and we actually realized that, well, maybe smarter than I give us credit for, kind of realized that at the time with the TV show. We were offered um, a full 10 episodes on mm-hmm. HBO, like half hour. And we're like, oh, well, that's pretty good. We should do that. And we're like, wait, we almost used up half of our catalog on, <laughs> on six short. Yeah. And um, I don't know, how is this going to work? And then later, the Concord, uh, Flight of the Concords basically stole our act and... <laughs> And uh, got way more famous than us, and they they went on HBO and did two seasons. I actually talked to him after the first season, and I said, "Wow, well, I think you guys ran into the same thing. You used up all your songs, mm-hmm. pretty much. It's the second season; it's going to be a challenge." And and uh, they agreed, and uh, I felt like they did sort of drop off a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're really good, though. I can't uh, I can't really diss them, even though they're shameless imitators, but <laughs> but very good at it. You know, you're going to be good at it. Yeah. Well, I mean. Imitation, sincerest form of flattery. They right? say that. They say that. But how's it feel being the one imitated? <laughs> no, it does. It really. It's 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 interesting though. You when you uh, you do see things a lot. And you go, wait a minute. You know, you damn well know that they just changed a little something something, mm-hmm. and uh, they kind of use that bit. Well, that was our bit, but still no copyright on bits. Yeah, that's well. It's interesting. I think uh, Louis C.K. and Dane Cook might have something to say about that. Yeah, well, sure. And uh, what was it? Well, Dane Cook is is the worst dealer. That is, a, yeah, that's quite a thing in the comedy. Yeah. But there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's only so much to talk about. You're bound to, like, overlap. I mean, everyone's talking about the same stuff. Well, what's interesting is you talk about burning through all your songs in the TV show. Mm-hmm. But when you go perform them, I think... In music, people want to sing along to the things that they know. Oh, yeah. Whereas with comedians, you always hear them say, as soon as I do it on TV, oh, I can't do I, I can't do it anymore. It's not lost on us. It's not lost. I can't believe that we can play tribute 30 years later. Yeah, or Wonder Boy or something. And it's like, yeah, if you were a comic, you cannot. Yeah, you got, you burn that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's like you can't, uh, I mean, Patton Oswald, someone who I, I like quite a bit, you know, he's not going to go out there and do like the KFC Famous Bowls bit. Again, now, God, like I love that bit, though. that's such a you funny that? bit. The KFC bowl. The failure pile in a sadness bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. That, we the whole that's funny. We the whole uh, my whole band. We just we love Patton and we yeah. We got to work with him and stuff, but that bit was just yeah. What is it? Uh, a failure pile in a sadness <laughs> bowl. <laughs> that was the new KFC. Yeah. And what's so funny is he comes back to that bit later and he's like, the, the guy who comes up with these things, an interviewer found that bit and asked him about it. And the guy should have said, uh, who the fuck is that? Like, I'm a millionaire. Okay. What do I care what some pissant little comic said? But he goes, well, I'm sorry. Mr. Oswald wasn't able to, <laughs> to yeah. see the joy on people's faces as they <laughs> ate it. It's like, that is so perfect comedy wise. Yeah. So it's funny. Like people still want to hear tribute. They want to hear Wonder Boy. They, oh yeah. You better play them. Yeah. Or you're in trouble. Yeah. People are going to be pissed, right? Circling back to 
I don't know why I always call it effergently. I just don't like to see, use the F-bomb, but it seems more nice. But that's I think that might interesting surprise story that we were trying to... We were at a friend's house trying to write the movie. Oh, Pick of Destiny? Pick of Destiny, and with a screenwriter before, and it didn't turn out, but we were over there just trying to um, work on songs, and, and a friend of ours had just this kind of funny, just little jam just about fuck you... Fuck her up, I fuck her up, I'm gonna fuck her really, really, really hard. It was a stupid kind of right. dude song. It was JR. <laughs> and we said, we thought it was hilarious. It was ridiculous. It was like, what are you talking about? And then, but the, for some reason, it's like, no, the real message is not that. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> your jelly yeah. is the key. <clears throat> and then, of course, at the end, you have to fuck her hard. But literally, I had some chords, and we turned on the tape recorder, and in the next two minutes, Jack just said those lyrics. <laughs> and it never happened before since. Really? It, it was one taker, and he just made it up. I just had the chords, and we just had the concept, and then that was it. And then you don't think much of it, and then it goes on the album, and then, you know, it's not like a... Uh, well, actually, we had that John Kay uh, animated. Oh, yeah, the, the John that Kirk actually, thing? That was, yeah. That was really actually sort of broke it up. But then it became like basically our number one song. Huh. And I, we had to end every show with it. I'd never seen that video until this morning. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I watched yeah. it. I go, that video is How'd delightfully weird. How did I what? How did you avoid seeing that? I don't know. That's It's one of those things. Especially where, if you like the D so much and you like that song. I, I have no been, idea how yeah. I missed it. But Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, I, I watched it and it was it was great. And it was on point. And as a big Ren and Stimpy fan, I mean, yeah. that style of animation was yeah. right in my wheelhouse. So, Just to show you how things don't always, though, like that was kind of a, it came together, the song, and John Kay uh, did the animation, the Ren and Stimpy guy. And like we went to the well again with... Um, with um, uh, Yeah. Uh, this is um, rock. What is that one? It's in the movie, um, I don't know my own song. <laughs> Classic rock, classico, yeah, classico, I, yeah, call it classico. And we thought, wow, that's that's a really fun one. We should have John K do that that one, and he did it, and it, and it didn't do anything. Didn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's just that sort of viral phenomenon. Hmm. Like uh, I think I had a night dream. We did write a song for um, for what's that? What's that show? Bizarre Barks. Oh yeah, I don't know if you. Well, just I did. I Jack didn't write that. <laughs> well, actually, Pam helped me. That's oh. fun. That's fantastic. It was really weird. Yeah, I'd never written for a teenage. And actually, I really couldn't. I had to get a lot of help. <laughs> <laughs> it was so hard that I couldn't do it. <laughs> That's funny. But it was fun, though. You're really like, wow. And then they made it, and it was like a Halloween episode, a special video. It was pretty fun. So when you're doing a movie like Nah, yeah. again, jumping around. No, oh, yeah. Sure. What is the ultimate hope for it? Because I, I love when people make, uh, I mean, there's so many films out there. And that's one thing I love about doing the Denver Film Fest is I get exposure to things I might otherwise not have seen. Yeah, um, that it, is a great film fest. I mean, that's a... You see stuff, yeah, you're never going to see. Yeah, it's a it's a genre piece. And so if you're in that genre, obviously, it's going to speak to you. And it's been really well-reviewed. Like, all the reviews yeah. I read of it, people love it. And yeah. it's really well put together. Like like I said, you and Penelope have terrific chemistry. It's uh, the creature is really cool. In yeah, it. it's just which it's, is hard on the low budget. Yeah, they, God, really, they were very clever how they introduced that and yeah, put it in there. So I'm curious. I mean, you're not the director, you're not the producer, but like, what do you view as sort of the ultimate success of a film like this? 
Well, I mean, uh, there's actually examples of, uh, what's the one where they just set up the camera? The, that whole genre. Oh, paranormal activity? I mean, those sorts of movies, they're right. made for like 10 cents and they burn up the box office. <laughs> so you can never be sure. I mean, uh, Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Cost 15 cents. <laughs> and, that, and that's like a phenomenon because of the concept and yeah. the idea. I mean, that's the great thing about these genre things. You can bust out. Yeah. Um, so I, the sky's the limit. I mean, I think you start by trying to make the greatest thing ever, ever made, and it's going to blow up and become that movie that uh, you know makes a thousand times its budget. Sure. And then, then the reality sets in, and <laughs> then you're straight to a Netflix. But it's which a, is not a bad thing. It's though. not a bad thing nowadays. That's the whole thing. I think with the platforms, you can get on all the services and stuff. Yeah. The the thing that's hard for me is the barriers to entry are much lower. So I think. It, it's almost sort of more of a meritocracy, is mm-hmm. it fair to say? Sure. But the problem is the volume of stuff that's out there mm-hmm. is almost overwhelming. Yeah, it is. And it's so saturation. It's hard to find. It's hard to, for something to stand out. Yeah. And it's hard, yeah. There's so much appointment television and things. I mean, we do this. So we have to watch this, then we have to watch that. We, we, haven't, we haven't watched that yet. It's like you, we, have a, we have to do it. Required. We haven't watched that yet. It's almost like homework. It is like homework. It's annoying. Yeah. These and entertainments, but who has the time? I'm always blown away that people actually have time to listen to podcasts. I mean, I, <laughs> they're long. It's like, okay, I'm going to take this next hour and a half and listen to Kyle drone on about nothing. No, I mean, hopefully not. My, my friend JD Lopez hosts a show in Denver here called Left Hand Right Brain, and he's a huge podcast consumer. He listens to them at double the speed. What? I don't know how he does that, but he said he goes back and listens to him at like regular speed. He said, it sounds like everyone's got molasses in their mouth. Wow. And I thought, wow, dude, you're going to cover. Is it really twice as fast? Yeah. And I'm like, you're going to cover a lot of real estate doing that. But Jesus, like that's got to fuck up the way you talk to people. Is is your brain is so it can pick up so much. Yeah. It fills in all the gas. So maybe we're watching these shows wrong. Maybe we should watch them at double the speed. That's yeah, we should. I'm gonna do that. Let's just start tracking fast right now. We can get rid of that. We'll turn into Bradley Cooper from Limitless. Yeah. So I. Oh, that was such a fun concert. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. But uh, yeah, I just finished Stranger Things. Uh, mm. The second. see, gotta watch that. Haven't watched it. It's on the list. Yeah, it's been the cultural zeitgeist. Got to get on it. One thing I tell people, and this really pisses them off, is that. Uh, I watched the last five episodes of Breaking Bad. Mm. I bandwagoned it because everyone was watching it. And people told me, you can't do that. And I said, the hell, I can't do it. We're watching television here. I'm going to watch it however I want to watch it. And people could not handle it. So you're right. It's almost like this cultural homework that we have. You know what I did was I watched, um, what's the, uh, what's the medieval thing that everyone watches? Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I don't watch it. I don't either. And, uh, but I said, you know what? I'm just going to YouTube those dragons. And everyone's like losing their shit over the dragons. I'm yeah. just going to YouTube them right now. Yeah. I saw them. Yeah, they flew in and they took people away. <laughs> That's cool. I didn't have to watch the whole series. I think it's funny what you say about getting lucky mm-hmm. because there's like hard work and then there's recognizing when there's opportunity. It is preparation meets opportunity. I totally agree with that. And I don't know about the luck thing, but I do know that situations sort of have to come up and it's talent is it's certainly not, uh, it's not, like you say, a meritocracy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's talent meets tenaciousness. 
Oh, Dare Jesus. Say, I didn't even. What? <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh, that's, uh, that's awful. That was unintentional. <laughs> but you know what? We'll roll with it. We'll that's, roll with it. That's not yeah. bad. Uh, Kyle, what's next for you? What are you? Uh, well, Jack and I are working on a Tenacious D animated series. It's, I think it's very exciting. We're very excited about it. It's slow. Uh, it's DIY pretty much. Uh, Jack is a really interesting, very creative artist and he's doing the, uh, the cells as it were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, and then we do like a little radio play and yeah, you'll, you'll see it. I think you'll wow. like it. I can't wait and uh, get some new songs and then we'll hopefully come out with a new album and come back to Denver and that we'll would rock your socks off. That would be righteous. I also have the Kyle Gas Band and uh, we tour all the time. We uh, tour really well in Europe. We've been to Europe like six times <laughs> in the last few years and that's really fun. That's just a rock and roll uh, fandango. That's Check awesome. that out, everyone. Kyle Gaspin. Yeah, getting back into the acting thing. Yeah. You, do you have do you have other acting projects like in the hopper right now? No. Nothing. <laughs> no. Well, so I, not so much getting back into I have acting. This, well, no, I want to, but like I said, I don't like to audition. Okay. So I have to kind of be offered a project or generate my own thing. Yeah. But it's really as long as I have something, like I have to write songs for the Tenacious D or the Kyle Gas Band or. Something like that, or, you know, as long as there's something kind of cool going on, I don't worry too much. Sure. That, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And you taught, you taught Jack how to play guitar, right? That, that's the legend has it. Yeah. The legend has it. Yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> I guess I'm responsible for that. I suppose. <laughs> it's not like he's Andre Segovia or something. <laughs> I don't know if anyone got that reference, but. But you know what? It's good. <laughs> it's good. It's you can a, tell it works. It's a deep cut. Famous classical guitarist. It's a, it's a deep cut for those yeah, for who, who want to find it. <laughs> but, uh, we're also educators, John. So <laughs> one other thing I'll tell you is, so I married my wife who wanted to steal the tenacious D cum rag. Yeah. And God bless her. <clears throat> now when we're in our house, if one of us is like has an idea or something and the other masturbates, like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, you brought up the cum rag. Well, sure. I mean, everything else is just a cum rag. <laughs> we're so, yeah. we need the proper one. But, uh, anytime someone is like one of us has an idea and the other is kind of hemming and hawing about it. Mm. What I swear to God, and I'm sure people tell you this. It's like, all right, you know what? You invent something, Kyle, like inward singing. (laughs) (laughs) Always fucking naysaying. (laughs) My wife and I say that to each other probably once a week. Wow. That, you know what? I don't get that one. You don't get that one. I don't get that one. And that is a great one. Yeah, why don't you invent something? Like inward singing. <laughs> and yeah, as, as, one of, as one of us walks out of the room, we'll go, cock ass! <laughs> yeah, so interesting about those is the sketches, were really, we worked like a year and a half recording this album. I mean, it was the old days. We just, it was a lot of moving parts and the things <laughs> and the, you know. And then the sketches I don't know if it took more than a day or two. This, the nature of those is like, all right, yeah, throw that like, <laughs> like drive through, uh, you know, just a concept and then, you know, and it was just, but then those become, and I don't think about those, but those are part of the, Oh Jesus. Yeah. No inward singing is quoted probably once a week in our house. <clears throat> wow. So thank you for that. It's well, it's a great way of putting someone like in their place and getting them like to come to your side. It's like, you yeah. know, always fucking naysaying Kyle. <laughs> so, <laughs> Anyway, you thank you for, <laughs> you invent something. 
Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for all the work. Great work in NAW. Where can, so where can people find NAW? Well, it's on that sort of festival circuit right now. So uh, it might be playing at a festival near you. It's, it seems to be playing a lot. Uh, and then I think it'll have a, um, I think it'll have a little theatrical release, uh, but very small. I think it'll be more of kind of a Netflix situation or something like that. Gotcha. I will link to the Facebook page, to the official website where people can find it. They can stay up to date Dude. with Na. Uh, I will also link to all the pertinent Kyle Gas projects. Ugh. And, uh, yeah, man, this, uh, this was a huge thrill and a great pleasure and really was. I really have to say, I think you're doing a great job. All right. Thanks. Shake your hand. We're shaking hands for those of you on radio. As we're trying to (laughs) stay on mic. But, uh, thanks very much, Kyle. Continued success to you. Thank you. Always fucking naysaying, Kyle. Always fucking naysaying. Everything that I create, you create something like inward singing. And let's end this week's show. Thank you so much to Kyle Gass for being a part of the John of All Trades podcast. God, what a thrill. And what a cool guy. Check out his movie, Nah. Check out the Kyle Gas Band. Check out the new work of Tenacious D. Hopefully that's coming soon. That's very exciting. All the links to those projects will be on johnofalltrades.us. J-O-N of alltrades.us. We're also on the social media. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest. All at the same handle, J-O-A-T pod so check us out there facebook previews typically go up on mondays it's a little different here in the denver film fest but normally they're up on mondays that's facebook only new episodes drop on wednesday we're on itunes we're on stitcher give us a rating give us a review hit that subscribe button and you'll get brand new episodes delivered right to your listening device you don't even have to do anything hey that's life in america right very very exciting I've got a couple more episodes coming up from the Denver Film Fest. We've got a tab on the John of All Trades website where you can check out all my Denver Film Fest episodes, including Andrew Novick and this week's episode with Kyle Gass. So head to johnofalltrades.us, check out the tab. There will be Denver Film Fest 2017, and all those episodes will be right there. And until I hear you back here again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny. The John of All Trades podcast is a part of the Denver Podcast Network in the shadow of the mountains. We speak.